0: 15% off everything at puffworks.com when you use the affiliate discount code BLWPOD. That's a new code. It's BLWPOD. Use that sucker at checkout at puffworks.com and get peanut and tree nut safely out of the way. My house is psycho. I have seven kids. Like it's quiet in the morning. I like that. So I get up at four o'clock. The first thing I do is get my tea, sit down. I do my Instagram post captions for the day. So I do three new pieces of content on Instagram in the feed every day. So that's what I do from four to five. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the baby led weaning made easy podcast. I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. Okay, full disclosure, I didn't really want to do this episode. It is a little out of my comfort zone. This is a behind the scenes look into a day in the life of me, Katie Ferraro, feels weird, your self-proclaimed baby feeding fanatic. Now, I didn't want to do it because I would so much rather talk about all of your babies and interview feeding experts about baby led weaning that you want to hear from and answer your questions. But Lauren, who works with us, suggested this topic it's actually my birthday weekend when this is coming out and I'm turning 43. And I had to do like, I had to get the calculator out and do the calendar year minus my birth year to actually figure out how old I am. I'm that old, but I'm turning 43. And Lauren was like, you should do something about yourself for your birthday. Whatever. Okay, so I'm going to give it a shot. At first, I was like, this is not going to be interesting. And then I thought, well, I personally really do like hearing other people's stories, their backstory. I love schedules. I know you guys love schedules. You love baby feeding schedules, which is why I always do them. But I love especially to hear the stories of like the brands and the businesses and the companies that I work with or that I support through my business or through purchases that I do on behalf of my family. I actually did a whole series of female founders of feeding companies here on the podcast and those did really well. So I'm thinking that you guys might like hearing other people's stories. And if that's the case, then let's do this I'm going to give you guys a behind-the-scenes look at a day in the life of Katie Ferraro. And if you don't like it, there are 162 other podcast episodes all linked up for you at blwpodcast.com that you can listen to. Just kidding. Let's do this. All right. If we're just meeting for the first time, I'm Katie Ferraro. I'm a registered dietitian. I'm a mom of seven. I specialize in baby-led weaning. But seven years ago, I had a totally different life. I had recently gotten married... I had had my first baby and she was about four and a half or five months old. And I was a registered dietitian. I still am. But I worked like at the other end of the life spectrum in life cycle. I was working with elderly nutrition. So geriatric nutrition, long-term care, nursing homes, adult day, home health, tube feeding pump set up. Like basically, if you were old and needed a dietitian, I was your gal. And I didn't know anything about babies and I had one. (laughs) And she was turning, I don't know, four and a half or five months. And my pediatrician was like, you should start solid foods. And I was like, okay. I also taught college and still do at seven different colleges and universities. And I remember I like this feels early. Like I thought it was six months from my nutrition throughout the life cycle curriculum, but I don't know, maybe this guy's right. Started solid foods with my baby, struggled. Like she hated me. Like I already struggled a ton with breastfeeding and I had to pump exclusively for her. And I was like, oh, food's going to be easy because I eat food. I can figure this out. Except I started solid foods with purees, iron fortified rice cereal way too early. She hated being fed. This is our daughter, Molly. She hated, I thought she hated me. I got to the point where I was like to my husband, like you feed her, fine. I've been doing this for four and a half months with breast milk, like you figured out with the food. Very frustrating. I was like, what sort of mom can't feed her baby? And then what sort of dietitian mom on top of that? I felt like an abject failure because Molly hated eating and mealtimes turned into this downright battleground. And at the height of all of this feeding frustration, my husband and I found out that we were pregnant with quadruplets. Now, we had been doing fertility. We did IVF with Molly. The quadruplets is like a long story. I'll do a different episode on that for the fertility fans. Did not plan on getting pregnant with quadruplets. Don't recommend it, actually. But at the time, I remember when I saw the first ultrasound with the four embryos on it. And I was like, "Um, there's two ovaries and two babies. And she's like, no, those are four babies. And the first thing I thought about was how am I going to feed four babies at one time when I can't even feed the one baby that I have at home right now. So the second I found out I was pregnant with quads and that we had made the decision not to reduce down to two as they recommend that you do if you're pregnant with triplets or quads, in many cases, I was preparing myself for a life with at least two severely handicapped children because the only statistic that I could remember, I'm not a numbers person, was that 50% of quadruplet pregnancies result in severe handicap. So I was like, okay, if there's four babies and at least half of them are going to be severely handicapped, I probably can't do this consulting nutrition business that I'm running and running around working 60 hours a week and being gone all the time. I have to change everything. So I basically shut down almost the entirety of my consulting business at that time to basically sit on my butt and not have babies prematurely. I did end up going 34 weeks with the quads, which was a miracle because the average gestational period for quadruplets is 28 weeks. That's why there's such a high risk for handicap is because of the early labor. So anything you can do to keep them in there for longer. And I am five foot, 10 inches tall, which really definitely helped because your uterus can stretch a lot further with four babies. I do have a good friend who's five foot tall who had quadruplets though. So it can be done. Um, she also went 34 weeks. So 34 weeks, they were in the NICU. They were all born between two and three pounds. We had three boys and one girl, Charlie, Claire, Henry, Dillon. And at the time though, Molly was at home. She was still a baby. How old was she at this point? Still terrible at eating is all I remember. And I remember like stressing out and friends would come visit us in the NICU and the quadruplet babies were all on feeding tubes. And I was like, God, I'm going to mess this one up too. Like I can't make enough breast milk for them. And the baby at home can't eat. And like, again, I'm stressing out about feeding. And I remember a friend of mine came to visit in the NICU and she's like, Okay, what are you doing at home? Like, I can't help you with the babies, but like, how's it going with Molly? And I was telling her I hate spoon feeding and she hates me. And I make Charlie do it, my husband. She's like, Have you heard of baby led weaning? And I was like, I don't know what that is. Like, I don't have time for these hippie parenting things that you love. She's like, No, no, no. And she explained that it's when your baby turns six months of age. And I was like, Oh, I did that wrong. You start letting the baby feed themselves food. I'm like, Oh, I did that wrong. You don't have to do cereals. Oh, I did that wrong. They can eat real food. Like, I don't believe this. So anyway, I was like, Sure, whatever. But I actually started spending all of my time at the NICU when I wasn't you hold babies a lot if you guys have had babies in the NICU. There's like not a lot to do, but like holding them and skin to skin is important. So I did a lot of research on baby led weaning and I happened to be an assistant clinical professor at UC San Francisco. And so I could kind of lean on my colleagues there in research to learn more about baby led weaning. And I found out, wow, there is this like real incredible body of research that supports a baby led approach to feeding as a viable and safe alternative to traditional spoon feeding. So I was like all in about this baby led weaning thing. And when the quads turned six months adjusted age, we did baby led weaning. And so I didn't know what I was doing at first. And I read every book in the world. I read Jill Rapley's book. And I was like, um, this just kind of go with the flow. And we basically figured it out. But I remember being so frustrated that there was so much information about what BLW was and why it's a good idea, but not a lot of practical information on how you do it and how you do it safely. And that information that was out there was not coming from feeding experts or credentialed individuals. So I kind of figured it out as a dietitian and a mom. And we had already had a relatively sizable social media following because of the quadruplets. We had worked. Um, we'd done a documentary about the quadruplet pregnancy, and so I remember as my family Instagram account, which I did a ton of baby-led weaning stuff on it, not on purpose. It was just like you know in stories, like here's the baby's eating sardines, and people would be like, babies can't eat sardines, and like, well, they're clearly eating sardines here, and there's four of them. But so as we were approaching the 100,000 follower mark on my family account. I was like, oh, what should we do to celebrate? And this was like before everyone got 100 balloons. And I was like, gosh, you know, the babies, like the thing that people really seem to be gravitating towards is the babies feeding themselves. And it's been really this transformational experience for me as a mom and for our family. And I'm a dietitian. I'm like, I'm loving this. Like, I want to shift the whole focus of my career to baby led weaning to help other families alleviate the stress associated with spoon feeding and learn how to safely help their babies transition to solid foods, eating real food. if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit BetterHelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. So as we're approaching the 100K mark, I was talking to my marketing girl at the time and I had very, very just kind of tiptoed into the world of baby led weaning um, and I had one gal working for me. And we were like, hey, let's count the baby's foods. And I realized they'd eaten more than 100 foods before the time they turned one. And so we kind of celebrated that by publishing the first version of the 100 first foods list when we hit 100 foods, which was about when the quads were 11 months adjusted age. They were technically, I think it was right around their first birthday anyway, kind of fast-tracked them on the food to get to 100. But that kind of set the stage for my foray into formalizing this 100 first foods approach to baby-led weaning. Because there's research that supports that the greater the number of foods and flavors you can feed your baby, then the more likely they are to be independent eaters and not be picky eaters. So that's kind of how I developed the 100 First Foods approach and then kind of shifted the entire focus of my nutrition business to baby-led weaning, specialized in that 18 months after the quads were born, we had another set of multiples. My husband and I have baby twins, Gus and Hannah. By that time, the quads were 18 months old, not babies, kind of out of the baby phase. And... I was doing baby led weaning for work, but it felt weird to be sharing baby led weaning stuff on my family page. Like people follow our family page and that's at Fam, F-O-U-R-T-I-F-I-E-D fam, F-A-M. And that page, people are like, literally they're voyeurs. They want to see the quadruplets. They want to see family stuff. They don't want to see other people's babies doing baby led weaning. So when Gus and Hannah started Solid Foods at six months of age, actually spun off the Baby Led Wean Team Instagram. From day one, I called it Baby Led Wean Team because I wanted it to be a team-based approach to helping other families do baby led weaning. And it was honestly a way to continue social media in my baby led weaning business, but without spamming my family followers (laughs) with baby led weaning stuff. So when Gus and Hannah started Solid Foods, when they were six months adjusted age, I had really revised the 100 First Foods approach and did it with them, the beginning. If you go back to the beginning of my Baby Led Wean Team Instagram page, it's Gus and Hannah's first 100 Foods. I started that from zero. My big account used to be my family account and very quickly doing the 100 first foods with those babies. And then after Gus and Hannah hit 100 foods, we had had a pretty significant following of other families who were following it and then following my program. And it kind of took off from there. And so once Gus and Hannah turned one, the focus of my baby-led weaning Instagram and business was not to be about my babies, but rather to be about your babies. And we made that transition over the course of 2019. And then of course, pandemic in 2020, and really a lot of, My baby led weaning business took off because a lot of my parents were at home. I have a lot of working moms in my community who were like, listen, I got a few months to figure this out. Can you help me? How do I do baby led weaning? What's the 100 First Foods approach all about? Why does it work? How do you do it? And so on and so forth. So that's kind of like the business history of how I got in to doing baby led weaning full-time. I still do teach at a number of colleges and universities. I teach at UC San Francisco. Um, I do all their online nutrition programs for the nurse practitioner program. I do teach at San Diego State in the didactic program for dietetics i teach cultural foods there i teach at university of san diego in their np program and at ucsd extension i'm in a few other places so i really enjoy teaching i do that all online i love teaching healthcare professionals about baby led weaning and then parents about baby led weaning as well so that's like the business background my daily routine on how it actually gets done i like schedules so i'm going to start at the beginning and i wake up in the morning at 4am And I don't want you guys to roll your eyes. And some people are like, dude, I hate morning people. Don't judge. I know not everyone is a morning person. And I get that. When I get to the end of my day, you're going to be like, this lady's such a loser. She can't even stay up past eight o'clock. Maybe she shouldn't get up so early. But I start my day early for two reasons. So after college, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Nepal. Ironically, I was a reproductive health volunteer teaching about the health benefits of small family sizes. And now I have seven kids. So total hypocrite. But totally transformative experience. i absolute fan of the Peace Corps. Nepal was life-changing. I'm fluent in Nepalese. If there's any Nepalese parents out there, I love when I see the Nepali babies on Instagram. But in Nepal, where I lived in the eastern region, I lived in a district called Elam. It's the tea-growing region. It's adjacent to Darjeeling. And there was no electricity, so you wake up when the sun comes up and you go to bed when the sun goes down. And the family that I lived with just got up at sunrise, so so did I. And it just kind of stuck with me. I don't know why. I just became a morning person. But secondly... When I came back from college, or when I came back from the Peace Corps, rather, I was in graduate school at UC Berkeley for a while. I had a private practice in nutrition there. I got homesick and moved home to San Diego from the Bay Area. I actually sold my nutrition business in the Bay Area. When I got home, I was a consultant dietitian trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Dude, I was like 25 years old and living at home with my parents. So um, (laughs) I was a consultant dietitian at this executive health program. And we would like CEOs would fly in from all over the world. And I was a dietitian that they talked to. And I would do like when you do like a 24-hour food recall or tell me what your typical day is like and then put the food stuff in there and we try to figure out some areas for improvement, like almost 100% of these highly successful, high net worth individuals woke up within the four o'clock hour. Like not five o'clock, like four o'clock. Like, what are you guys all doing at four? They're like, dude, you got to get your head set for the day, you got to work out or you got to do like your morning routine, your morning ritual. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I had already kind of had tendencies towards being a morning person. So my family makes fun of me. I'm the oldest of six kids. And we're all a little intense. All my siblings are actually, our parents are both independent business owners and self-employed and have been our whole life. And all five of my siblings and myself own our own businesses and work for ourselves. And they're like, Katie, you're the only one that gets up that stupid early. And they make fun of me like, oh, four is the new five. And like, she's gonna start getting up at three and telling you it's the new four. But I like 4 a.m. It works for me. My house is psycho. I have seven kids. Like it's quiet in the morning. I like that. So I get up at four o'clock. I drink tea. I've never been a coffee person. I do have a nasty Diet Coke habit, which I'm happy to admit. The first thing I do is get my tea, sit down. I do my Instagram post captions for the day. So I do three new pieces of content on Instagram in the feed every day, have forever. That's just what works for us. I do all of my own Instagram. Every business consultant and business coach in the world tells me to give up that part of my business and I just can't. I I love you guys. It's how I met most of you here on the podcast. It's important for me as a subject matter expert to be in charge of writing my own content. So that's what I do from four to five. We have a good system with our team for content development, but I'm the one that actually writes everything. I write all my own emails. You guys, I write all my own show notes. It's probably why I don't get a lot of stuff done, but I love writing. I love content creation. And so I'm very protective of that part of the business. So the reality also is I do spend a lot of time on my phone and on Instagram as part of my business. And I don't want my kids to see me on my phone all the time. I don't want that to be what they remember about me. So I do a lot of it before they get up and after they go to bed. And then when they go to school, I do it in my office. So. Someday, I think they'll probably figure out how much time I spend on social media for work. My oldest is seven right now, so we haven't had to deal with the social media stuff. I don't know how i will do that. I look to those of you with older kids to give me advice on how to deal with that. But I'm very grateful for the community that I've built on Instagram. However, it does take a lot of time. So 5.15, I leave for the gym. I go to an old lady boot camp gym in my town, which I absolutely love. Like I've never in my life as a 43-year-old, I started going there three years ago, said that I like working out. Like, I think it's annoying when people say they like to work out because I think they're lying, but I'm actually found a workout that works for me. It's the only thing I've been able to stick with. The only thing I've been able to see results from, but I like because I feel better. Like If I I look forward to going to the gym, usually because it means I'm done with my Instagram for the day. I miss it if I can't go. It sets my stage for the whole day. I'm nicer to my kids if I work out. I'm nicer to my husband if I work out. It's an actual excuse to take a shower and get ready for the day. Like I need it for a lot of reasons. So I do a workout class from 5.30 to 6.15. I get home and get my kids by 6.30. So I get my kids up. We have seven kids. And at the time of this recording, our oldest is seven, Molly. And five of our kids are in school. So the quads are in kindergarten and Molly's in second grade. And then my three-year-old twins, Gus and Hannah, are at home. So I want to preface the whole morning routine with the fact that we have an au pair live with us. And an au pair, if you're not familiar with the concept, is a lovely younger person who comes from another country on a J-1 student visa through a U.S. State Department-approved program to help you with your kids in exchange for living with your family for a year with the opportunity to extend for an additional six, nine or 12 months. So I realized very on, actually, like from the day I knew I was pregnant with Gus and Hannah, we we're going to have seven kids age three and under. But my husband and I cannot do this by ourselves. I totally admire big families who have no outside help. I think that's amazing. But my husband travels full time. Um, he's an aviation executive. And I basically had to quit working to prepare for this quadruple pregnancy. And for what we kept hearing was a 50% chance of major handicap with the quad. So Anyway, I was like, we're going to need a third adult. So back to the au pair. I always thought an au pair was like something that fancy people had. It sounds fancy, but a like full-time nanny, like none of that was compatible with our financial situation. But a good friend of mine who is a single mom of four girls had an au pair, like tons of au pairs year after year. And she was like, no, au pairs are totally affordable. You need to change your mindset. It is life-changing to have the help of another young adult especially when your kids you know, are a lot of work, close in age, they become part of your family. And really all you have to do is really have a private room in your house to host an au pair, not even a private bathroom. In our old house, all nine of us in my family shared one bathroom so the au pair could have her bathroom. But you don't have to do that. We started using the agency my friend used. Um, our first au pair, Julia, arrived from Germany when my twins were a month old. She was integral in filming the original 100 First Foods content. Ever since then, I'm totally sold on au pairs to the point that I have all of my seven kids in two bedrooms and probably will forever, just so that we can have our third spare bedroom for our au pair. So we are on our third au pair right now. We had a 20-month gap during COVID. I know you guys all had childcare situations during COVID. I actually thought I was going to die when my husband was traveling and I was doing all the work and all the kids by myself, but that's life. A lot of people do it by themselves. Um, We've had two Germans and now our new au pair, Anouk, is from the Netherlands. And I love it because au pairs can work split shift so our au pair helps us for a few hours in the morning and then she comes back at night and helps with the dinner and the bedtime which you know you can't do that with a nanny like come for two hours and then go do something else but then come back later tonight and help me so um the split shift is really key for us but i mean it's the cultural exchange that's everything they teach our kids their language their songs customs we meet our au pairs families the au pairs travel with us like i'm planning to go visit all of them in their countries when we can travel again it's literally like having a new family member one that's halfway between your age and your kid's age um And from a financial standpoint, I'm always happy to talk to the parents about this, but it is definitely the most affordable way to have full-time childcare. And so if you do want to check out au pairs, I just use the agency my friend used. We've been very happy with them. They're called Cultural Care. And I do have an affiliate code to waive the one-time $75 registration fee. So the code is PCKD75 at culturalcare.com. It's basically like online dating, which I never did because I was before that era, but you have a profile, they have a profile, you go on, you match with an au pair, you interview a bunch of people. Once you match, then they come and basically change your life. So back to the morning when I get home, this is not me doing it all by myself. It's my au pair on Nook and I, we get the kids up, we get them dressed. One of us does breakfast, one of us does lunches. By the way, pro tip, I make my kids get dressed before breakfast every morning. When your kids are in school, do this. They're like highly motivated to eat breakfast. Kids are never motivated to change their own clothes, even though they can, unless they're hungry. So my kids know if they want to eat breakfast, they better be in their school clothes. My kids do wear uniforms. They actually go to the same Catholic school that I went to with all of my siblings in our town. And we live outside of San Diego. For the breakfast thing, my friends are always like, but then their uniforms or their school clothes get all dirty. I make my school age kids wear the preschool sized apron bibs at breakfast. They hate it. Like, like these are for babies, but they're not. It preserves their school clothes. They're bigger. I think my seven-year-old is probably about like the top size for that preschool size. Like she's about to grow out of it. But if you have bigger kids, like kindergarten, for second graders, preschoolers, the Bapron size, preschool size is super awesome. Like I want an adult one for me. They used to have adult ones. I don't think Kelsey makes them anymore. But if you are checking them out, I know a lot of you guys use the Bapron bibs for baby led weaning. The toddler size is the one for babies. It's the preschool size that's for the bigger kids. I generally put kids in preschool size starting around age three. I have an affiliate code for Bapron baby. It's Katie 10 and that's for 10% off. I love their bibs for baby led weaning, but definitely check out the preschool size one, even though I'm probably traumatizing my kindergartners by making them wear bibs. But whatever, their clothes are clean. So 7.15 a.m. my kids leave for school either my, my husband if he's home or my au pair or I drive them and I feel bad when I tell my routine because my husband is like very has very limited involvement in it but like that's by design <laughs> he's wonderful and he's very competent with our kids it's just he's not here a lot and even when he is it's like if you're not here all the time he's like wants to have fun in the morning I'm like this is not fun like you know I'm like yelling at him like he's another kid so. I also love the au pair because like we work really well together. I totally get the whole two mom situation. I definitely see the benefits to it. So we have a sprinter van, a 12-passenger sprinter van. Love it. I don't like to drive around with any empty seats. I pick up all my friends' kids on the way to school. Like one of my best friends is not a morning person. So if I have space left in my van, I always get her kids so she doesn't have to get up early. If I'm not driving, if I'm nook or my husband goes to school, I'll stay. I clean the kitchen and get my twins ready for the day. It's just like quiet. I usually listen to like let them watch something on PBS Kids, so I feel like they're learning and then I listen to podcasts and clean the house or whatever. The deal with the au pair, sorry, back to that, they can work up to 45 hours each week. So we do like to give our au pairs full weekends off. Like we're intense during the week. I want you to go have fun with your friends on the weekend. But my au pair helps us in the weekday mornings and then for a few hours, she gets off for the whole day and then she comes back in the afternoon, like bedtime dinner stuff. So I have an aunt who has helped me since the quads were born. She comes at eight and she watches Gus and Hannah, my twins. They're not in preschool my last babies. I want them at home. My aunt is fabulous. She's also was a teacher in Mexico City before. She teaches them Spanish. Like she's amazing. So by eight o'clock, I'm working. Like my workday starts. I'm very protective about my work time. I know it's a great luxury to be able to work. To be honest, I would actually be crazy if I couldn't work. I love my kids, but I'm really grateful that my aunt comes and helps me. And so we have a house we live in a town, the town I grew up in, and we have a house, then we have a pool house attached to it or detached. And there's two bedrooms in there. I think like other people would use it for a sauna or gym or something. I use it for my office and my husband has an office. And then it has a kitchen. So some of you guys ask me like, what's up with your fake kitchen? So I have a fake kitchen for work that's actually in our pool house. It's like this like super cheesy cocktail bar setup. but I use it for filming all of my baby led weaning videos. That kitchen's always clean. My real life kitchen is a mess. We're actually probably gonna remodel it for work and video stuff, but I'm working right on my property. So I can kind of run in and out if I need to do stuff with the kids. But I pretty much work from eight till five. And I feel like maybe we'll do a separate episode about the inner workings of the baby led wean team, which kind of runs like clockwork. But we have a day where we do podcasts, a day where we do new content. One whole day where all I do is interviews, parent interviews, feeding expert interviews, me being on other podcast interviews. I also still teach all of my courses. So I have a lot of schoolwork that I need to do with my colleagues at the different universities where I teach. So I kind of like am in the zone from eight to five. I don't really even take a lunch break. If you, know, if you go back in the house and the kids see you, it's like a disaster. So I just kind of grind it out from eight to five working. I love that. I have to, don't laugh, but I'm the co-leader at Girl Scouts now. My friend talked me into it. I'm not very good at things like that and I'm not creative at all. And I actually dislike Pinterest, which that'll shock a lot of moms. But she's like, if I plan everything, will you just come and be the other warm body in the room so we can have a Girl Scout troop? So like sometimes I leave early, I have to do Girl Scout stuff or we do sports. To be honest, my kids are very young still, so we don't have to do a lot of activities, which I'm grateful for. I get done right at five. My aunt goes home. My au pair comes back on, someone watches the kids, someone makes dinner. I like to make dinner. In my old life, I like to cook. So I do make dinner, we eat together. I get off at five, I try to be eating by 5.30, six at the latest, done with dinner and getting ready for bed at 6.30. And my kids all go, my twins go back down. If they didn't take a nap, usually between 6.30 and seven. And my big kids go down at seven. And then my au pair and I clean the whole house and everybody's done by eight. And I literally drink like two glasses of wine and pass out on the couch. In a perfect world, I would be like, oh, I go back to my pool house and then I do all the work I didn't get done that day. But I don't care that much. And I definitely can't focus at night and I'm not an evening person. So one thing we started doing at our team meetings for work with Lauren, the great Lauren, who is the mastermind behind everything, she makes us do a win and a stuck. So everyone has to go around and say a win, something good that happened, and something that they're stuck on. So at the end of this episode, I just want to share with you guys my win and my stuck. I'll start with my stuck. I'm not good at thinking about what we're going to have for dinner, which sounds really hypocritical because all I talk about in baby led weaning is like, it's so important to food prep. And like, I have to make a lot of baby led weaning food, but sometimes my kids are like, oh, we're having fritters again. Like, Awesome. I wish I was more prepared. Like people that have a menu for the whole week are like my goals, but I know I'm just not wired that way. I'm one day at a time. So I always get stuck about what we're going to have for dinner. I feel like we eat the same 10 things, but like they're not that creative or that inventive. And I wish I would put more time in my schedule to prepare food. But like I get done at five and I want dinner ready at 5.30. And that sometimes is just, it's a fool's errand. Like it's not going to happen. Or like the quality of the dinner that I want to make is not there. So I don't know a way to improve that. But that's something that I'm stuck on. Especially where my kids are like, I'm starving, I'm starving. And I we don't eat snacks. I've shared that a lot on the podcast. And like, I need to have dinner ready by 5.30. Because if not, then they like literally start freaking out because they're so hungry and then they start fighting snacks, which I can't have because then they don't eat my dinner. So I got to figure out a situation. If you guys have any tips for how to make a lot of food magically appear for your kids at 5.30 when you have to work till five, I'd love to know. So that's my stuck. It's the food prep thing for dinner. And I don't have the energy to do on the weekends. My win is that during pandemic, I allowed myself to admit that I hate going to the grocery store. I used to like it when it was just me and I only had to cook for me. And if I found something expensive, it didn't matter. It was just me. Or if I didn't want to make dinner, it didn't matter. It was just me. I don't like grocery store shopping. It doesn't spark joy. So I really leaned into home-delivered groceries. And I would argue people like, but it's expensive and there's a markup. I'm a Instacart fan just because that's what's in my area. And I also do ButcherBox for meat. And I've often on done some produce delivery stuff. I haven't found one that really works for me. I do have a sick ButcherBox deal for you guys, though. Whatever the ButcherBox deal of the month is, somehow my ButcherBox link gives you an extra $10 off your first ButcherBox. So if you guys have been thinking about getting home-delivered meat delivered to your doorstep, there's no code. It's like a link you have to go to, but to get the deal, like if it's ground beef for life or free turkey or whatever it is, plus an extra $10 off. So if you go to blwpodcast.com slash 163, Box has been awesome because that's where all my meat comes from. Instacart is where all my groceries come from. And then I haven't committed to a fruit and vegetable produce box yet. I like the idea, but like, sometimes the quality varies. Sometimes it's not affordable, et cetera. But the outsourcing groceries thing, I would argue, and I go back and forth with my sister. My sister likes going to like five different grocery stores a day. She has six kids and she actually like loves cooking and makes fabulous food. So sometimes I like finagle an invite to her house at least once a week. I bring all the wine. She makes all the food. We have 13 kids between us. Like it works out, but she hates Instacart and the grocery things. Cause she's like, they've marked the price up. Like, I know that that watermelon should only be $2 and you paid $2 and 25 cents for it. I'm like, Yeah, but if I go to Costco, I'm just going to buy other stuff that wasn't on the list. So I feel like the grocery home delivery prevents me from impulse buying. So that's how I justify it. So that's been a win for me because I feel like I bought back a lot of hours. And if you guys are on Instacart, when you finish, they tell you like how many hours you've saved. Like, I think they made that counter just for me because I'm like, dude, I've saved so many hours by not going to the grocery store. So that's my regular week. Weekends, I just do kid stuff. I'm not on my phone on weekends. I mean, I wish I could be sometimes, but like I actually physically can't. I do try to have my kids not see me on my phone. I don't want them to know what social media is, especially not yet. I think social media is a fabulous place. I have a relatively large Instagram following across both of my channels. And there's nobody mean or trolly in my community because I feel like I set the tone. I mean, we sometimes have to block people who are crazy. But like, as far as like it being a terrible, horrible, vast wasteland, I think Instagram is a fabulous place to meet other people, to share ideas, especially the visual of babies eating to share. I mean, I share the fun. I share the harder sides of life too. And to be honest, most people just want to see a bunch of little kids running around. So my family account is out there. If you guys want to check it out, it's pure chaos. The baby led weaning account is there if you need help on how to feed your baby. So I kind of check out Saturday and Sunday. My kids are in kindergarten and we go to Catholic school. And my mom's rule always was when you go to kindergarten and Catholic school, you have to go to mass. So now we have to take five kids to mass on Sundays. So I usually have to do like a social event after that with mimosas to recover. But I hang out on Sundays. and do a lot of family stuff. We do a lot of family dinners. Um, five of my six siblings are here in San Diego. There's 20 grandkids around all of us. My parents both still work full time. It's the downside of being self-employed your whole life is you don't always get to have a nice retirement. They love working. They're around. We see them a lot. So we spend a lot of time with cousins and friends. And that's why I don't answer your emails or respond to your DMs or comment or post anything new on the weekends because I'm off my phone. And then every Monday, there's a new podcast episode. And every Thursday, there's a new podcast episode. So this was kind of fun. Now that I did it, I don't want to do it all the time. I want to go back to talking about you guys. But thanks for letting me share my behind the scenes, a day in the life of Katie Ferraro at Baby Led Team. I think I'll do another one on like the back end of the business. We've had a lot of changes recently. Just hired my first full-time employee, which is very scary, but very fabulous. Um, we've got a team of like eight people now. Everyone else part-time, some moms, some not moms. It's really kind of been fun and definitely growing. I do have a parting piece of advice and this is not related to business, but I was thinking about it when I was at the gym this morning, when I was thinking about this episode, like, what am I going to talk about? Clearly I found something to talk about. But one thing that's been really different for me since my kids started school versus when I had seven kids, three and under at home is that, we were talking about this on Instagram the other day with some of you guys, but I felt like I didn't have any mom friends. I didn't even have room for mom friends when my babies were babies. Like I didn't do mommy and me groups or that sort of stuff because I was always working. And then during pandemic, you couldn't do that stuff. So I know a lot of you guys feel very isolated with your babies. you are like, gosh, I don't have a community. And that's why I do try to foster a sense of community on Baby Led Wean Team, especially through Instagram and here through the podcast so that you know that you're not alone, If certainly in parenting, but in the way you've decided to start solid foods with your baby. But when your kids go to school, it becomes so much easier to make friends. Like I'd always heard that and I was like, no, nah, whatever. You just don't make friends when you're an adult. And now I like looked at the past year since my kids have been in school. I'm like, wait a minute, I actually have new friends. So I just wanna remind you that all this work at home with the baby where you feel like you're going crazy and maybe you're not using your brain. And I know a lot of moms that are like, I went to college and now I'm at home like changing diapers. Like, listen, you will get to use the other side of your brain and your life and your being when your kids go to school. I think it gets a lot easier. I know there's a whole new bag of worms with each stage and each phase. And people always say, what's your favorite phase? People always say, do you want more babies? I'm like, heck no, I got all your guys' babies to work with and watch. Like, I'm very good and very done. But I do love the phase when kids are in school because you do meet new friends and not just because your kids are the same age. Like, I've really met new friends because just exposure to new people. So, you know, having an online business and being at home all day working by yourself or with a remote virtual team can feel really isolating. But I do feel really grateful for having had the opportunity to make new friends. And I want you guys to know that if you don't have school-age kids yet, that when you do, it becomes a lot easier to make friends. So that's my parting piece of advice. Thanks so much for listening. This was super fun. I'll see you guys next time where we'll be talking about somebody else. Bye now.